Come on and join me on the B-side When movie stars they weren't in their prime Made all the movies that got left behind That got them covered on the B-side You're gonna like it on the B-side Cause you got Dan and Connor by your side Throwing your knowledge from the inside And now you're listening to the B-side Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The B-Side for the Film Stage. As always, I'm Dan Mecca here with Connor O'Donnell. Connor, what's up? I'm good, man. I I feel like getting in a fight. I didn't anybody, even anybody ask how you were, like... bro. Don't even ask. Don't answer your question and ask. <laughs> well, you said no, what's okay. up, so that's enough. I said that's true. And yeah. now no, I really right. do want to get in a fight. <laughs> Damn so... it. Yeah, now we're all we're, we're coming in punch drunk and ready to go. Throw a phone at somebody, maybe. I we're all know. in between. We're all in between work uh, responsibilities <laughs> and whatnot. Um, Okay, so today our subject is Russell Crowe, which is such, you know, what a subject. Let's just start there. And, of course, our guest, uh, he's been with us before. He'll be with us again. The great Blake Howard. Blake, what's up, man? How are you? Uh, hey, guys. Yeah, look, um, in as you should do when someone asks you how you are, you say, I'm fine. Um, don't you dare put your life on them. So I'll sure. say, I'm, I'm fine. You, I'm, good. I'm, I'm good, guys. No, no. Um, I'm, I'm really good. I'm so happy to be talking to you guys again and really happy to talk about a man. Talk about a spectrum of quality. Oh, sure. my God. Um, and so, yeah, to do a B-side of Old Rusty, because I've been, uh, you know, as most folks would know, like obsessively watching Peter Weir's Master and Commander for our series Podcaster and Commander. So I've watched him at like his peak sure you know the peak existence sure. as a performer yeah. and as a in, a in a role and then uh you lads uh we discussed an assignment to go back through some russell crowe b-sides and wow like yeah well, it's a range. Let's, well let's say so so obviously if you're listening you probably know us but just just in case you don't blake obviously one heat minute productions everything that he's done is on that feed so find that wherever you listen to podcasts obviously the most I, I suppose the most appropriate one to to call out, which Blake you did, is Podcaster and Commander, in which you're going through the masterful film Master and Commander: The Far Side of the World, which stars Russell Crowe, directed by Peter Weir, um, based on the Patrick O'Brien series of books. Which yep. I've only read the first one, but what a what a what a book! And it's kind of like almost there's twenty. There's that's what I mean. Books. I think Damn. I didn't. There's twenty books in the series. I don't know I've if there are that 13. many sides to the world. I mean, I, no, like, how many have you? Wait, how many have you read, Blake? You I've saying? read thirteen. Oh I've my read god! 13. See, God bless you, because <laughs> I read the first one, and it was that thing of like. So I, I, I just read and slash reread all of the Sherlock Holmes novels. There are only four, right? But yeah. I was like, it was almost like if there were only like four, uh, Lucky Jack. You know, movies yeah. or books, rather. I I would have probably read all of them, but because there's so many, I was yeah, like, so let me just and, take a break. And O'Brien, O'Brien ran out of history. That's what he famously said. It was like I I ran out of history. Like there wasn't. He was so <laughs> such a voracious researcher and did things with yeah. such a. There was no more armi- there were no more armis- armistists uh, or whatever. Yeah, we're, we're not we're not fighting anyone anymore, <laughs> right, so right. it's over. Um, so yeah, no, I've read thirteen of them um, overall over like many years, and uh, yeah, the, and and in, you know Peter Weir and John Colley did it so right, which is the first book is Master and Commander, um, but he said I want to I just want to get it. I don't want to do all this world building and establishing and have such a tiny fraction of what their lives are like at sea. I want to 
I want to go on a voyage. Uh, and so The Far Side of the World is actually the 10th book. So the book, the first book is called Master and Commander and the, the 10th book is called The Far Side of the World. And that's the basis, I guess, the the structure uh, where they fight the Asher on is kind of there. And so that's mm. why they called it both of those things. But it really is an amalgam of like every book and every great scene from all these characters. And yeah, it's um, it's a uh, it's a really special adaption, which is, you know, as, yeah. as I do, I... I some some films just speak to me and they just won't shut up until I do a podcast about them and then and then they can leave my brain and my consciousness. I do love that as like such a modern day like purging of right like just like I'll do a I'll do a long form podcast series to like purge myself of this yeah. obsession. I love that. Um, real quick before we get too far into it, our our four ostensible B sides and obviously we'll kind of jump around, but just as a framework. We're going to talk about the Sum of Us from the early '90s, uh, Russell Crowe and Jack Thompson, uh, a good year from the mid 2000s, uh, the mid aughts, as it were, the Ridley Scott picture, uh, obviously starring Crowe. The next, excuse me, the next three days from 2010, um, which is a Paul Haggis movie shot in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You ever heard of it? Uh, that's a, where I live. A haggis, a haggis joint. A haggis joint, and um, which. Wow, let's we'll get into it. <laughs> what a moment it was that like Paul Haggis could get the next three days made. Like I just let we'll when we get to it, we'll that talk was, about that's it. So right. much that was, to talk that was about. also like right so I feel much. like right before the dominoes started falling for that guy. Oh, too, sure. So. Yeah. And then finally, and this is I think actually a super interesting movie just because of the COVID element of it, which is the most recent movie we're gonna be talking about is uh, Unhinged, which really came out in 2020 mostly but in this interesting way where it like was a drive-in hit right and kind of like a grindhouse-y movie like 50 years after those movies were getting made and i think i mean we can talk about it but what an interesting almost kind of an interesting indicator of like where crow's career is right now as i was we just record gonna say this, that's sort the pope's of his, exorcist his is like if you're listening is out right now right yeah, it's like him out. becoming a genre kind of uh staple i find to be Damn, kind and of sorry what movie what movie did you reference that is out right uh, now the pope's exorcist he's like if you're looking for my boss <laughs> call a de vatican and look i apologize for the offensive accent but i'm only doing it because i'm a no, Crow so. is no, doing no, it in the movie. No, guys, this is what you have to understand. It's like it's like when he was in, uh, I almost even forgot what it was called. Thor: Love and Thunder. Oh my sure. god! Yeah. Yeah. Sure, and sure. he was doing Zeus. Yeah, of course. What many people don't know, and this is like a fully very specific Australian reference. We had like comedy shows in the 1980s where there was a satir a satirical Greek grocer. Fruit okay. grocer character and named that's like Con, what he's doing. <laughs> named Con the Fruiterer, okay? Because <laughs> okay. Melbourne, not many oh people know. God. I uh, wish I lived in, in Australia so in, bad. In, in post-war Australia, uh, like oh sorry, post-war um, uh, World War Two, there was a flood of Europeans into Australia because you know obviously all of their countries are being bombed to smithereens, and. Other than Athens, Melbourne's is the largest Greek-speaking city. So there was a lot of Greek migrants that had come over, and so it's still a massive, massive community. And so, like, there was a guy that said, 
I got am I've gone the fruit like he just like do all these accents so when he's doing that as much as it seems unhinged pardon the pun Love you're it. like oh my god he's literally doing con the fruiter in a marvel movie this is but hilarious but see this is hilarious. exactly my point with him when we'll get into it with unhinged i kind of love that with yeah I don't, well he god has knows perfect, i don't love he Thor has a perfect four, but, level yeah. of like self-awareness about i feel like yeah. he's these fully things. in his yeah. pocket he's like yeah. in yes. his bullshit right now and even like i'm sure we'll talk briefly about like poker face right which is he directed and came out uh only last year and even jack thompson's even in that movie which we can talk about but like but um he has like a great cameo at the beginning but like um I just feel like he's just making the shit he wants to make, right? Like, and even if it's not great, you know, it's just interesting that he's in. I, he's, I, I love this for him. Is I guess what I mean. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, for him, yeah. He prophesized it, right? He was a he was a rock singer in New Zealand because he's a New Zealand. He's yep. a Kiwi, yeah. Um, who's kind of called Australia home for most of his life because he emigrated here. And he's like, he had a rock song when he was a musician called I Want to Be Marlon Brando. And this is like, this is the yeah. dark years. This is like the Brando dark years where he went and made all these Blake, movies Blake, you're in stealing Europe my and, thesis here, buddy. Oh, sorry. No, it's sorry, okay. Man. No, no, no. I was just, I, I was like looking at that song earlier and I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck, he did become Marlon Brando. Like, it's he like, gained a little weight. It's like, right? Exactly. Had a little like, fun. I would not yeah. be surprised. And I haven't seen Pope's Exorcist yet. And um, I, I'm, I am dying to no say. I'm, I'm myself as well but i guess my point is i would not be surprised if there was like an earpiece in his ear the whole time you know what i mean like yeah yeah not robert all. duvall holding up cards <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? exactly exactly wearing cards on wearing, their chest. Right, 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 that's wearing, yeah. <laughs> oh god um, so so i mean yeah so point is and, and blake you referenced this earlier he's got a lot of b-sides which i think is such a lovely you know mm. look forward to part two in a year or two with with Blake right. and yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, hit, we'll hit a lot of those, but Honestly. but just so we kind of got into some of his origin story. But he's an interesting guy, right? He, like you said, he's from New Zealand. Has called, um, it's obviously called Australia home for most of his life. Kind of was almost the spark plug of what then became this kind of pretty famous, like wave of these incredible Australian, you know, slash New Zealand actors. Um, you know, among them, obviously. Nicole Kidman, right? Guy Pierce, right? Who who was nice enough to come on this podcast? Hugh as Jackman, a matter of fact. great show. Hugh Jackman, great show. yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite episodes. Guy Pierce, got the Guy Pierce on our sh like, yeah. What a what one an of my absolute, favorite of your episodes. A legend. What an a absolute legend. gift. Like gift. just him talking about like seeing the disturbing the peace poster and being so pissed <laughs> that like that was the movie that he saw advertising for. Anyway, um. Anyway, so like Guy Pierce, all these people, and obviously Russell Crowe and Guy Pierce are in LA Confidential together, which is a coming out party kind of for both of them. But Crowe was around before that. I think that kind of often gets lost. Like Crowe's like the third lead in The Quick and the Dead. Crowe yeah. made kind of an off-market actioner that same year called No Way Back, where he's like mm. the sexy FBI agent, right? It's like he was around, right? And I think... You know, he he makes a name for himself uh, in 92 with Romper Stomper, right? Which I always, I always love that you have Crow does Romper Stomper and then eight years later, Eric Bana does Chopper. Chopper, Chopper yeah. And it's yeah. like these similar but very different, like very singular character study pieces that like propel these two very talented, you know, uh, down under actors, right? And like Bana, obviously a famous comedian, 
right, Blake, in, in Australia yeah. before that. But I mean, sketch comic, yeah. Chopper was kind of the pivot point, and then obviously he becomes, you know, now, you know, Eric Bonnet, you know, as we and know. And what him. I like to tell non Australians is that a guy named Ronnie Johns, who was a comedian, made himself famous, and I think still tours to this day, doing a Chopper impression based on Eric Banner's Chopper. Oh, I love <laughs> That's that. That's the country that we live in. That there is provincial comedy how, where a guy is doing a chopper a fucking impression and how in twenty twenty three. And how weird is it to also be in a, a place where like Andrew Dominic made a movie like, like so Andrew Dominic made Chopper that put him on the map as well and now Andrew Dominic has made like this movie Blonde last year that like was so reviled by yeah. most beloved by some earned Anand Armas her first of hopefully many Oscar nominations. Like, what a weird career, right? What a weird guy. Like, had 45 terribly aging quotes in real time, right? Like, just, like, such a funny... When you, like, when you look back, right? And, like, Crow can be wrapped wrapped into this, right? Like, what a fat... So, Crow, and, and we can talk about this, some of us. Crow, you know, 99 to 04, Crow is... No one's bigger in Hollywood. Right, like he's the biggest movie star in the world. Insider to Cinderella Man, right? Crow's basically like just a huge marketplace of his own, right? Not all the movies hit, obviously, Proof of Life, what have you. Even Cinderella Man underperforms, but 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 even in that period, the B sides are still like huge, huge notable things. You know, like I, uh, yeah. Cause like the yeah like proof of life is the gladiators B side or is gladiators B side right the inside well, proof of life like a gladiator had a tail a pop oh cultural influence tail to that went day. for so long to yeah. so long yeah and after that proof of life literally funded tabloid media sure. for about yes. seven that's months a great, that's, that's, a, a great that's a great point, point actually that's it great just point. was like these two things he was. Everywhere. He was in every magazine. Yeah, that's if a great you're a point. nerd, a he was in all the film mags. If you're a woman, he's like shagging Meg Ryan, and this is what's happening, and da da da, da just on and, and it's on. funny, yeah, and the telephone thing, right? Like all these things happen where, like, you know, there's all that positing about, like, because people forget, like, he won the Oscar for Gladiator, right? And then basically the theory was like he was the next Tom Hanks. He was gonna win for Beautiful Mind. Right. And then all that stuff happened, partly thanks to proof of life and all that, whatever. And then he loses. Right. Denzel wins for training day. And in the in the whole like the narrative is like, well, he you know, it was Russell's to lose. Right. You know, it was and he and he lost it. And then he kind of, you know, master commander came out, did okay, slightly underperformed. You know, was it was a huge budget. They made the boats, all these things. And then, you know, after Cinderella Man, it becomes more of the Russell we know now, where it's like, you know, he is a star, but he's basically assisting, right? It's Body of Lies, right? It's these types of pictures, right? And I think, you know, you know, the silver lining of that is I think he's become this incredible character actor, and I think he's only gotten better, which we can talk about. But like, um, anyway, bring it back, right? So Romper Stomper, we talk about, he's in proof, right? Like these Australian pictures early on. Great, great. Movie. Proof is good. Yeah, Proof, proof is really good. Is a I, great you give movie. me a movie named Proof, right? If it's starring <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow, if it's starring Russell, I like it. You call it Proof, Dan likes it. Um, no, and then so the sum of us though, and 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 it's an it's a great uh, pivot, right? So uh, comes out in ninety four, 
um, at least in the States it does. And it's um, Jack Thompson, the great Jack Thompson, right? First build, you know, kind of an Australian living legend. Um, and it's Jack Johnson, like, inheriting his dad phase. Because exactly. for folks yeah. who don't realize, Jack Thompson was the biggest sex symbol in Australia. Did nude shoots for Cosmopolitan magazine here, like, was the hottest shit in Australian acting for basically 20 years. And so now it's like, he's still attractive and still a great actor and has done a ton of like character work basically for the last 20 years. Um, but was a King. And this was like two, you know, the, the elder statesman of all Australian hot throbbers, um, to give you an Australian, uh, slang, the hottest throbber of Jack Johnson, uh, Jack Thompson handing over to Russell, who was like, our emerging stud right, on the scene. come up, yeah. yeah, on the come up, yeah, and uh, and doing a kind of really, I don't know, it does, it certainly dates itself, right? It's very aged, but it's a kind yeah. of ballsy thing to do a very like outward, open, hey, like queer culture's okay, guys, like relax, yeah, like, I think everything's okay. It's yeah, a really that, ballsy picture. That was, I yeah, it still works for me. I I, yeah. agree, I agree that I had not seen it, so this I watched it last night for the first time, and that was kind of my basic takeaway. Is it's I think it's really good. I think I wouldn't, you know, I certainly wouldn't begrudge a, a contemporary audience watching it and cringing a little bit here and there. Yeah. But yeah, I think when you take in, in context into account, it is there is this you know level of like yeah i don't know like and even and even that stuff aside even some of the broader like gay people or people too just swings of it right the general relationships at play and the way the comedy works and how all that stuff plays out i think still works great and is like yeah i found myself it at multiple times kind of just being like oh shit like you know like it kind of yeah, caught me off guard Quick, quick, quick uh, context is it's a dramedy where Crow is this guy, Jeff, who's a gay man who's living with his father, Jack Thompson, who is very comfortable with his son's lifestyle, which is which is not the norm. Right. In the setting of the yeah, film. Right. Which is very not. apparent in in the movie and very comfortable with kind of his son's lifestyle, whatnot. Um, almost too comfortable. Right. That's almost part of the movie is like he's almost like overreaching right at certain points. Yeah. He's, he's been too, in, too encouraging. Yeah. Too there's encouraging. a great, there's yeah. a great, no, there's a <laughs> rest in peace, Norm McDonald. There's a great Norm McDonald joke where he was like, he was, he, <laughs> he, he said he started to feel anxious because he tried to be really open and happy for his son's friends who were coming out. And he kept being so happy. He's like, maybe my son thinks I'm gay now. I've been right, too right, happy right. about being gay. <laughs> my son thinks I'm gay. And he's still like, like, I'm trying to tell him something. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's that, that was, that's the vibe of the entire piece. It's, it's, well, it's, yeah. And it, yeah, the date. So David Stevens wrote the play. He also wrote the screenplay. Um, and, it's basically like Crow starts dating John Paulson, who's a, yeah, obviously um, uh, a contemporary. Uh, you you would probably know John Paulson if you're an American listener from Mission Impossible Two, um, and a uh, very handsome guy. And um, then I we don't need to spoil it, but basically it takes a, a relatively dark turn. It kind of becomes a different type of movie in the third act, more or less. Um, Jack Thompson's character is also trying to kind of find love because he's a widower. Um, and that's kind of the movie, right? It's yeah. very character driven. It's kind of one of these lovely, you know, um, it's, it's, 
it is an indie movie in an, in every kind of yeah. element of it, right? And it, son, if, it would be a proto Sundance movie, right? Sure. Very yeah. Right. Polit- socio politically engaged and a yeah. drama that's trying a to have cutesy with the fourth yeah. wall breaking. It's got a little stuff. desert yeah. hearts. It's got a little yeah. right. It's got it's in yeah. that pocket of kind of those types of things, and I think. I think, yeah, has it aged perfectly? No, but it's like, this is my problem with all these conversations. It's like, well, look, man, I mean... (laughs) This was huge in the... That's what I'm saying. People don't understand. It's like, you think of Sydney and Australia, maybe, you know, if if you're an international listener, which I, you know, assuming that most of your folk are American listeners, right? You would know Melbourne, you would know Sydney, you would assume, oh, Sydney, the Olympic city, but like, this is shot in 94 and circular key like where our opera house is and the harbor bridge and stuff like that it's it's, sydney was like a gigantic country town if you want to see the time capsule of what the transition is you watch some of us and then watch two hands um where you see like this parochial sydney this gigantic country town and then it bursts into an international city when the olympics happened in the year 2000 so really only for the last two decades has it been like an international city Mm. um it was always like a glorified gorgeous country town on a harbor um that was very like had very pockets of you know cultural you know fixed cultural pockets and there's been a lot of blending etc and gentrification as happens in big cities but that that's what's so fascinating is like this was a conversation that was so edgy at the time and the fourth wall breaks uh, for the characters were almost like I guiding the audience through I, that I, they were just i, I love think, those it, I think that stuff works really well here I, yeah. because it I, and it's like it's just like i, I called it cutesy especially before, in the third act like yeah I, once yes, again we don't need to spoil it's but way it, like, more it, effective it jarred me yeah. every time i was mm-hmm. like oh it's way more <laughs> yeah. effective in the last stretch of the movie for sure yeah, and um, if you're gonna break a fourth wall, have Jack Thompson do it. Yeah, right, well, no, that's he's the most charming yeah. motherfucker in the world. He just looks at you, and you're like, oh. And you can, you know, what's funny? He's my and, guy. Yeah. And what's funny, him. Blake, is you talking about Thompson passing the torch. <clears throat> you know, Crow, who's lovely in this film and very handsome and charming. You you can fully see like Crow in real time like learning the craft from this guy like because he crows god knows not perfect in this like he's he's kind of maybe untapped to some degree and kind of still green in some respect and like it's interesting because thompson is so comfortable in his skin even though he's also doing this pivot in his own career as you mentioned and it's so what a i would i i should have done more research i i would be curious to hear crow talk about this movie and if he had that experience working with him where it was like, I would hope it was this very beneficial. He he loves Jack. That's one thing. The Australian Academy Awards, I think Russell Crowe is now the president of the Academy, but they always trot out Jack Thompson because he's a legend, right? And Jack Thompson, they love each other. Like there's such a camaraderie well right and i was saying moment. so in the in poker face right jack thompson is like the shaman at the beginning of the movie yeah yeah who who like is like helping uh russell yeah. cross or or whoever it is anyway they sorry, love each other they love yeah. they love yeah. each other yeah. it's 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 a it's a great it's a great rela- it's a great relationship they've got so yeah no and, it's, and just it, and jack thompson was in for those maybe who would know these movies he's in breaker morant right the bruce beresford picture which is kind of a big australian movie and then one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest anti in the rare canon of ant, true anti-war films. I mean, Australia has two. So yeah, Gallipoli, um, and, well, yeah. Gallipoli and Breaker Morant. Breaker Break Morant is so Break, good. Breaker Morant's our answer to Paz of Glory. It's what fucking do you think unbelievable. Of, uh, what do you think of Mr. Johnson, Blake? Do you like that movie? 
You've I seen that seen movie? It. No, no, okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a Pierce Brosnan. It's like 10 years later. That's yeah. a super interesting movie. Um anyway, so and then also obviously Jack Thompson is one of one of the main characters in The Man from Sto- Snowy River, which was a huge and, crossover like, movie. And a cult hit Wake and Fright, which I know your fans might like. Wake and Fright oh is Oh my god, of course. Fucking awesome. If you haven't seen Wake and Fright, do it right now. Do whatever you can. It's out on Blu-ray. Um, it's yeah, the, that a movie true is. Australian classic, and that's classic. Gary Bond is the lead, right? Yeah, who's yeah, a super much, yeah. interesting guy. Um, but you got Donald Pleasance, Jack Thompson. That movie is good. Yeah, that movie good. is uh, it's really good. stupid good. It's, it's stupid like, good, and that's Ted Ko- Ted Kotcheff who, yeah. who who went on to direct a lot of good movies. Um, anyway, so yeah, some of us, I think you know, character piece, um, a lot of really good kind of chemistry in the relationships um one of those movies that should be i suppose treacly but kind of never really is in my opinion yeah and um, i think specifically given the time period i just expected that when i watched it and that was like the most surprising thing is it never really loses a step entirely you know like any any kind of speed bumps it hit for me were just more from like looking at it from a more modern perspective but like but you know, taking the movie on its own merits, it kind of really worked all the way. Uh, it still works. It's got a lot of fondness in the Australian yeah. film community, like as a as a as a ballsy movie for big actors that are doing this very socio politically engaged movie, and actually still not being pre- too preachy. It's like charming yeah. the pants off you at the same time, and it, like you forgive it. And so the flaws, you just. They melt, you know, and when you immediately watch some of us, and this is the only new note that I had from watching it again, is you forget so much of the movie of the fourth wall breaks, the 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 sort of more formal playfulness that it has, yeah. And all you remember is Jack Thompson and Russell Crowe's relationship and yeah. how they bounce off of one another, like little things, like the pushing back the plate at the dinner table or not oh, quite turning the shower washes off, just like little so niggly like if, you were to t- if you were to tell me that Jack Thompson was Russell Crowe's uncle or dad in real life or whatever, I would be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it makes fucking perfect sense. Well, yeah. and, you know, for context, you know, it's funny because I, I, I know I've mentioned this other movie I'll mention on the podcast before, but, you know, for me growing up, and it's so weird that I watched The Sum of Us. I can't really explain it other than I just must have caught it on some channel, but... The Some of Us and Gods and Monsters, right, which yeah. is the Bill Condon picture, a few, years, a few years after this. You know, for like a young, straight dude in, you know, the suburbs of New York City, as it were, right, the tri-state area, is, you know, is what we call it. They were really formative for me, right? Like, they were important movies for me to see at a younger age where it wasn't, you know... You know, there's more, I suppose, conflict in Gods and Monsters, and it's kind of more, it's, it's more of a challenging picture, and I suppose that way. But like watching a dad and a son just kind of vibe, and you know, the son being gay, that was important for me to watch as a kid. Like, and I stumbled upon it; I wasn't seeking it out. But like that stuff, in Australia, really... the one-two punch of Priscilla Queen of the Desert, sure, yeah, some of us yeah. kicked our asses because, you know, Priscilla Queen of the Desert is a fearless movie. Fearless with its comedy, fearless with its socio-political stuff, whether it's 
the you know the plight of indigenous people whether it's you know this kind of parochial fun australianness and still having that like waking fright darkness that's out there and then the sum of us was like a bridge they're a bridge to each other they're a dialogue that was happening in australian cinema and they were like they're still two of my very 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 favorite australian films like by far i love them both really dearly yeah and they're yeah that's well said and i think um Anyway, it's just funny. It's like, and we don't, we, we, you know, we don't need to belabor the point, but it's like the thing people, the thing that it's the criticisms, you know, people talk about Philadelphia in the same way, right? Where it's like, guys, these movies were so essential for like, just just progressive movement. Like, and I know it wasn't enough and I know it seems old now, but that's the whole point, right? Like the whole fucking point is they should seem old, right? Because we've gone farther and God knows in this country, it feels reductive, you know, it feels (laughs) like we're going back, but like, but like you should be happy. They feel old fashioned because we've gotten right. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, capture it the way it was, understand the flaws and be appreciative to some degree of like, the Progress. step it took, right? Like that's I think always under discussed when you do that thing of like, oh, can you believe this movie? You know, it's like the defiant ones or whatever, right? The any of these movies where it's like, yeah, is the defiant ones some like, you know, not has that not aged well? Sure. But it's like at the time, right? Like Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis being chained together was a really big deal. Right. Yeah, that was yeah. really important for the country. You know what I mean? It's like you can laugh at it now. Well, you join but, the dots from the Defiant ones all the way to, um, uh, oh my God, I've just blanked. I hope Fle- you're going to say fled? fled starring Stephen Baldwin. Lawrence Fishburne. No, no, no. The Kevin Hooks picture, Fled. Uh, to 48 hours is what yes, I was saying. Yes, oh, yes, sure. yes, yes, yes. You, dr- you draw the dotted lines and like things haven't aged well, but man, it's ferociously for- candid. It's so important. I so prefer important. the Fled reference. Just for the Fled reference is so much more on brand. Future Mike. Eastside Fled. Yeah, for Stephen Baldwin B side. Um, he only has B yes, sides. He has one A side. The usual suspects. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Usual suspects. Um, yeah. Now, so this is interesting. All right. So as we pivot to the next one, which I think is funny, is obviously, and this happens sometimes, right? The next movie is a good year. But what's so funny about that is, and we kind of already have talked about a lot of his movies. In between these two movies is like his whole career is Russell Crowe's leading man, right? Which I think you know we've we've mentioned a lot of them, but suffice it to say, you know, um, a good year is very much a fuck you money movie, and I kind of about fuck you money, (laughs) yes. And I have to say, kind of one of the reasons to this day, and I've seen this movie many times. I do. I will always kind of really enjoy the film because you have Ridley Scott, you have Russell Crowe, you have this kind of very great supporting cast. Abby Cornish, uh, obviously. Um, there's you know Albert Finney, of course. Mary like, Cotillard. You know, Marion yeah. Cotillard early on in her kind of what oh. becomes an accomplished uh, Hollywood career. A uh, Fanny Chanel, you know, as they say. Um, oh my god. But like a million other great actors, right? And I think um, Finney, man, Finney is the king. Finney is the best. Fre- young yeah. Freddie Highmore as as the young yeah. Russell Crowe, which is so funny. And this movie is literally, you know, six years after Gladiator, Crowe is still fucking. Or I'm sorry, Ridley Scott is still, you know, cashing checks and breaking necks. And his and what I love about it is 
Ridley Scott's buddy Peter Mayles just writes a book called A Good Year based on like his wineries, right? Right. And he's like, hey, Ridley, I wrote this well, book. And it's also because Ridley owned like a house right. in Provence and was like, uh, sure. I want to make It's some. like very Ocean's 12. It's <laughs> yeah. very Ocean's 12. It's very like, and they just like get the green light from a Hollywood studio, pop but over to France. They were cursed. And this is Russell Crowe's curse. And, and this is what I'm learning doing Master and Commander particularly. This is a guy like Michael Mann talks about it a lot. He's like, I am only really interested, like other than Collateral, True. Um, uh, with Jamie Foxx's character, Max, everyone in a Michael Mann movie is living the elevated existence of their life. Sure. And Russell Crowe right. is that guy. He needs to be a fucking general a, a cop in a dirty system, a captain of a British freighter during, you know, Napoleonic ocean battles. He, when he's at that high level, living the elevated existence and even Beautiful Mind fits that in so many of his best movies, he's so engaging. He's so powerful. Like, I, this is another crazy Australian story. Is like one of our famous rugby league clubs, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, which he became synonymous yeah, with, actually right? shut down. Yeah. yeah, well, he co-owned it. I don't know if he owns it completely anymore, but he's definitely got a share. Um, it got kicked out of the competition because the club couldn't earn money, and then they had to lobby to be brought back into the competition. And at the forum where they were deciding it, Russell Crowe got up and delivered like an impassioned speech. And Love it. it's it sold the country, the world on that, that they would come back and it created the story and the archetype for this. And it's like, when I watch him in a good year, like, dude, you're not Hugh Grant. That's not why we go to see Russell Crowe. Like, you know we what's go funny? To see- you're, this, is, I, this, is a great, this is a great theory. And I have not ever considered this, but you're basically saying Russell Crowe needs to be exceptional. Yes. He, like Which I when think he's, if you think about it, and you've basically said this, but like Maximus is exceptional, right? Exceptional. John Nash is exceptional. Yes. Lucky Jack is exceptional. Uh, Bud White in his own way, right? And, he's, exceptional. and, he, and he learns this in the movie, and I think that's why in the, the par- character- In the paradigm. In the paradigm of his system, he, he's he, exceptional. He's ex- his, his moral fortitude is exceptional, right? Maybe yes. is what you'd say. And even his method, like his methods are violent, sure, but he's yes, exceptionally yeah, good sure. at delivering those methods. <laughs> and I think, and that, that's not to go down a fucking, uh, not to go down a James Elroy rabbit hole, but if you read the books, it, a crucial difference between Crow's Bud White and the Elroy Bud White is that actually, because the Elroy Bud White is perhaps not exceptional, right? And I think yeah. a smart movie decision, Hollywood decision, um, is to maybe make that change. Um, and, um, but I That's think whenever he's except, whenever yeah. he's exceptional, he the 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 movie's just he he wants to be the captain, and so for me it's nice to see him in a lot of character performances. We're going to talk about a couple more movies, one where he's you know going completely the heel. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I I just look at him and I'm like, when you are the captain of the ship, we're in better hands. We yeah. just are in better hands. It feels better. It feels like he's he's completely steering it. Um, some of the baddier movies where he's like taking maybe, you know, the directorial captaincy is like too much. But like another Russell Crowe thing like recently is like that Howard Stern interview that he did that went viral again where he's talking about looking at a bird. Ridley Scott gives him the test on day one of Gladiator. He goes, you're going to look over here and there's going to be a bird. And you can look at it. Maybe you're going to smile. 
and think about, you know, how beautiful it is. And then the bird's going to fly away and then you're going to focus back on the scene of the battle. And he talks about like the color that he brings to that performance and does it. And then Ridley Scott walking over to him after like take one and going, you and I are going to work fucking great together, mate. Like he was just like stoked Mm. this guy could deliver. And I'm like, that's the guy who's Wygand all the way from Wygand, Bud White, Wygand. And I think it's, and and I, and I look, I like this movie. So I, let me just caveat that. But I think it might be one of the cardinal sins of Robin Hood is that, yes, you know, that's obviously Ridley and that's Russell. And it's a kind of a famously troubled production and whatnot. Um, Mostly in prep, not, not necessarily in execution, but almost one of the cardinal sins to your theory's point is like they kind of, they like, they, Almost overly humanize, you know, Robin Locksley, right? Well, like, yeah. rather than being a lord, he's they they like right. make him one and of the people that, posing uh, as yeah. one. The, not not yeah. that like Robin Longstride, that character's interesting, but I think it's almost like they almost they almost overcorrect, right? Where it's like yeah. somewhere in the middle could have worked, and I think you. Yeah. You know that movie hits its stride in the last hour, right, and becomes the Magna Carta movie. And I think it's yeah. like a secret, really interesting movie. But it's like it takes too long to get there. And I you would know argue, I, mean? when, I I like I like that movie a lot as well. And I would argue, uh, to your point, Blake, when that movie does work, and if it works because of Crow, when it works, it's because there are these moments where he is allowed to be exceptional. Right. It's yes. like it's like specific moments of action or leadership or whatever it is that like that, yeah. you know, he he like takes on that that mantle. That's a great that's a great uh, that's a great observation, though. I have All to right, say. Well, that's it. We're done. And- <laughs> it really has. It really has me. It really it's like in, in real time reframing my consideration of him, because even in like the quick because even in the quick and the dead, which was one of the first movies I saw Crow in. And he's, I think, very good in that very good movie. He's obviously exceptional because the whole thing in that movie is he's you know he's like the he's best devoted shot him, out of all of them. right he's yeah. devoted oh, he's, himself he's, to the he's, Lord he's the fa- but he's the, he's the fastest shot like he's that's the my, one shot. of my favorite one of my favorite Russell Crowe line deliveries ever is when Gene Hackman's character turfs a, a shot glass at him yeah he's like he's still fast and he throws it and he goes catches it and he goes faster than you. And then yeah. just drinks it. And I'm like, oh, he's the king. Yes. And that's, you know, Crow is so funny because it's like, and we talk about this a lot on the B side, you know, it's hard to quantify or examine or really digest or um, or dissect what movie stardom is, right? Where it's like, yes. you know, you know, this is a, a well-trodden thing, but it's like, why do cameras favor one face over another, right? Like, why is Tom Cruise a movie star for 40 years? Like, what is the reason, right? Obviously, he's intense and he's an alien and all these things, ha, 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 whatever. But but at its core, right, something about Tom Cruise, right, take away all the stunts, take away all the weird shit, he's appealing, right? Like, there's something appealing about him when the lens is put in front of him. I, you, who knows what it is, but it's just true, with, right? With a variety of haircuts, the yeah, man is a variety of run, A variety of runs. But I think what's funny is, like, you know, you could point to many people. Sandra Bullock, we just did, right? Will Smith, yeah. right? Um, Denzel Washington. Angela Bassett, for God's sake, right? Denzel, yeah. oh my Denzel God. Denzel, probably more than anybody. Crow, Jesus. you mentioned Crow and Gladiator, and I was rewatching some of it earlier, and, like, Holy mother fucking shit! That performance, like he and that like it's so bird, funny because that bird thing is 
fucking no. I love, but no. there's, I love, but there's I like forty things like yeah, that. I in feel that like movie. we live in a world now where people I, like I, shit we, on Gladiator that have won all these awards. That's kind yeah. of what I'm saying. Like I feel like Stupid. we live in a world now where it's like it, it people people are like Gladiator's overrated and like I, maybe I don't know maybe it's I, like I no it's exactly how, how it's perfectly it's exactly rated. rated that's how it, <laughs> it's yes, exactly, exactly like, right like it is because I that was the first thing I watched in prep for this I was like let me start it off just you know whatever set the stage right and I'm watching it and like Brittany watched like half of it with me and I just like I'm sitting there and I'm just I. I've seen that movie so many times and yet it doesn't matter. I sat there watching like that opening battle sequence and I'm fucking glued to it. And every moment that is now memed, whatever in, in the moment, you're like, this is the coolest fucking shit I've ever well, and seen. <laughs> and it's like, also it's like, and not to mention entertainment. And not to mention that, like, and this is like the most underrated part of the movie, where like every scene with him with Oliver Reed is like maybe the best scene ever sure. put to film. Where sure. he's, like, he's like, "You knew Marcus Aurelius? I didn't know him. I said I met him once." Yeah. Like the, the those sequences are just so. I mean, you and can't even, you cannot overrate them. Yeah, obviously, so this is the the wife test, right? We've all we've all got families now. <laughs> is I put we talked about recording this a little while ago. And I did the same thing, Connor. It's so funny you said it. I was like, oh, cool. I'm just going to watch Gladiator before I watch anything else. And I'd been watching fucking Master and Commander in bits right, and pieces right, sure. for months, right? So I, it's it's in it's always on. But I put Gladiator on and my wife's sitting there on her phone. And the test is how long until she's off her phone. Right. Good sure. point. It's, yeah. not, sure. it's not long. Right. Not long. It's not long in Gladiator. It, it's like... It's in the first couple of minutes she starts hearing the score, starts hearing that stuff, and then the phone You're goes down and I look over. I look over to her and the phone's down and she's in for that three yeah. hours. Like, it's happening. I'm like, this is a really fucking it, good movie, man. And I, I mean, we again, we don't have to keep diving into it because, folks, if you haven't already, just watch Gladiator. It's obviously great. <laughs> but, like, the other thing that I would love to see is – I would love to see him reunite with Connie Nielsen uh, because yeah. they have they do have they do have good chemistry. Such, yeah. and it's not like a, it's it's not really a set of performances or a pairing that seems like it would lend itself to like firework chemistry. It's very like quiet electric chemistry in that movie. I mean, I'm going to say what it is. It's the difference. You watch Connie Nielsen uh, saying the Devil's Advocate, which is another. Great right. B side. Sure. Um, yeah. You watch Devil's Advocate. You see Connie Nielsen. She she's so smoking hot, super attractive, alluring. Has this great chemistry with almost anyone. You put her in front of a post, and she she's got that electric she chemistry. Chemistry, yeah. This is the difference. You watch Top Gun with who we said Tom Cruise is a movie star and Kelly McGillis, and you're like, yeah, Kelly McGillis, beautiful. Tom Cruise, super young, attractive, brash. You know all that stuff. But then you watch Kelly McGillis in Witness with Harrison Ford. Yeah, I know sure. it's different. Yeah. yeah, it hits different, guys. That's well, another. That's, we that, talked yeah. like with Tom Cruise. We talked about it when we revisited his B sides. His his if if you wanted to give him a as a movie star, right? Personal stuff aside, if you wanted to give him a fatal flaw, he he has to work hard for the chemistry. And I think one of the many miracles of Maverick is that he captures it with Jennifer Connelly, which is like with Cruise, you only get that a few times, yeah. right? Yeah. Where it's like. You know, Rebecca um, Ferguson. Yeah, Ferguson. Right. Sure, I think he's captured it more now because the sex element is almost like like not a part of it. Where it's like, yeah. 
even his most famous movie star role, Jerry Maguire, the whole point is, is he that doesn't they have don't chemistry, have chemistry yeah. with with yeah. Uh, yeah. with uh, you know uh, Renee Zellweger. But 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 Crow is it's easier for him as a movie star. I think he's a very sexy presence, and I think in a good year, you're obviously on the back half of the, of that movie star moment. I think the movie obviously certainly underperforms. And we should sorry, we should say real quick, we didn't talk about what it's about, but it's basically. <sighs> I mean, it's a quick plot, but you know, just for context, he works in the egg. He works in the famous <laughs> the egg. We, we all love the he egg. Basically, he he is a you know he works on the stock market. He manages people's money. He makes people a lot of money. He makes himself a lot of money, and he inherits his deceased uncle's uh, vineyard slash estate in Provence and Provence, Provence, and. Uh, and so goes to check it out, thinking that he can kind of basically flip, flip it, it, right? Like get it, yeah. get it going, get it making wine again, and and flip it for for his his fuck you million is what they call it in the movie at one point. Tom Hollander is his lawyer. I think he's pretty good in this movie actually. Great in um, this movie. And basically, out of the woodwork comes Abby Cornish, who may or may not be sort of an illegitimate child of Albert Finney. So she would have a claim to the estate, basically. Meanwhile, um, who is his? Is it uh, Spall? Is it uh, Rafe Spall? Uh, yeah, Rafe, Rafe Spall. Spall. Yeah, Rafe yeah. Spall is his sort of like uh, sneaky Crow's, second in command. Yeah, Crow's yeah. second, who's acting as his proxy on the stock market, basically. While he's in Provence, he's kind of trying to usurp Crow. Crow fucks him over in a very funny way at one point. Um, but yeah, it's basically Crow kind of like finding himself, finding this yeah, new life, finding so himself, funny. finding Dude, this new life it's while the, he's. It's not a movie. No, it's, it's hysterical. It's, no, no, no. It's, it's not. not. It's, it's not. It's, it's, but it's I, these two guys wanting an excuse to go on a holiday and together. God damn it. If we shouldn't just give it to them, is my point. How many. It's the Adam Sandler yeah, movie of these is, two guys. It but, it's like, let's take our mates guess, and go get fucked uh, up in Provence. And Lance now, to be clear, Armstrong, to be clear like 40, there's like three Lance Armstrong jokes. I'm gonna be perf- I'm gonna be perfectly transparent here. To be clear, I rewatched this movie on after my wife and I's Passover Seder, and for we those- were both drunk. We yeah, watched yeah. it together. For those of you who don't know, for those of you who don't I know, I was on a job in a hotel, drunk as a skunk. You were drunk. Yeah, yeah. part of a Passover Seder. You it was drink like one glasses of wine, and then <laughs> afterwards, our friends were over. We were still drinking wine, and then everybody went to bed, and I was like, I'm gonna put on a good year. So Shit. that's that's where I'm coming from with it. But me while- and Connor were just like messing each other, being like, Yeah, this movie kind of rocks. <laughs> no, we grab another beer. <laughs> like, yeah. like- I'm gonna be perfectly transparent. But it was one of those things where while I was watching it. I'll say this purely aesthetically, it's a great, beautiful. It, it's a beautiful, beautiful yeah, film. There beautiful is maybe. a there is a beauty Philippe shot. There is yeah. a beauty shot of Marion Cotillard when she's introduced to Russell Crowe that is like knowingly cheesy and knowingly whatever. There's like wind that goes through her hair and stuff, but in that moment, it's so effective because you're like right. that is the most beautiful human. I've ever seen. Like, yeah, it's she's so. Just, yeah. Is oh that your God. little car? She, she's right, that firing whole on all. She's firing on all cylinders. She's so. She's so good. She's so yeah. Release French. the mecha cut. Is that the your little? Where I'm just doing the whole movie. <laughs> she's, he he's Pope's exorcisting right now. <laughs> oh my um, God! Yeah, but yeah, the I, other I, priest. What's the line for the trailer? Crazy. I well, it's just the and I said this to you, Dan, when we were kind of watching it together. I was like. 
it's it's just one of those movies that is the difference between somebody making this for Netflix or whatever or making yes, it as like a, a great Hallmark point. movie yes. it, versus it starring Russell Crowe and being yes, directed yes, yes, by Ridley yes, yes, Scott because there are moments in this movie that do right. not even deserve to have any kind of like weight or flourish. Yeah. I wrote they, this. I wrote this. I wrote this line in my notes. I'm like, Russ and Ridley want to believe they're these guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They really want to believe yeah. that they have like a Richard Curtis, Stephanie Meyer. Uh, um, it's Stephanie Meyer, right? Did I get yeah, that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Stephanie Meyer muscle. And they kind of don't because the hard edge stuff. Are we thinking Nancy like, Myers? Oh, Nancy Meyer. Nancy sorry, Myers. Nancy Meyer. Oh, sorry, Steph- so, Stephanie Meyer wrote Twilight. Well, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, no, but you're yeah, talking sorry, like sorry. you're talking it's all like deadly. glossy, it's all deadly. glossy yeah. rom-com. Glossy. Yeah, 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 yeah. they sure, want to believe sure. they've got this muscle, and what ends up happening is, like, when Russ is trying to be the fop, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Like for me, no, no, that's no, that's I, the thing. It doesn't work. But all the other actors, like the Tom Hollander performance, exceptional. Yep. The the locals that live at the house, great. Abby Cornish is terrific. It's like great. it's just yeah. it's got so yep. many elements. Marianne Cotillard. Like you want you want to believe because you want to fall in it love with someone just, who's that I, beautiful. I think this movie works. works despite him. If I'm being yeah, honest, yes. like yeah, absolutely. And I think and granted that your mileage may vary. Like if somebody watched this movie and was like, fuck all. All the way off i would not stop like sure because there is the element of like and i said this to you dan like it's almost like reverse dickensian which is weird yeah. like do you know what i mean like it's got what would on paper probably play better as a traditional dickensian story right like just a like if russell crowe was right, a poor guy comes if into russell crowe was like a pub yeah. owner who hated wine and loved beer or something like that and then like you know I, like whatever if it's like if he's kind of coming up as opposed to like pun- th- but punching is, down uh, you know like but my friend jed Ayers says this he goes like he tweeted this line and i think about it like daily so this is how good his insight is he's like you guys really have to like a whole movie huh <laughs> that was his line and i'm like Marianne Cotillard telling me the color of her lips. Yeah. That's enough for me. No, I don't know about anyone else. No, no, that's the, I guess that's that's what I'm saying. I always, I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I always think of the Ethan Hawk. Ethan Hawk was talking about Richard Linklater. I believe on our friend, um, Jeff's podcast, which is now called the Q and a, um, this is many years ago. I think Ethan Hawke was talking about his movie, The Hot Estate, mm. uh, which is a super underrated movie. Um, and he talked about what he loved about Linklater as a friend and as a movie fan is like you could go see any movie with Linklater. And even if it wasn't very good, Linklater's walking out being like, yeah, but you know, there's that one scene with this person yeah, sure. and that really worked. And as I get older and older and older, I feel so Same. that where Same. it's like, I watch any of these fucking movies and I'll be like, yeah, but you know, Abby Cornish in that scene, she talks about this and this and it really fucking pops. And it's like, I do think, and I like that for me. Right. And yeah. I, 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 I would wish that. Upon, I like that for us. That's what <laughs> I saying. like that for us. I would, I wish that upon most people where it's like it I takes think, look, time though you got to get old you got to get a little bit older got to get a bit more miles watch you a shitload your of movies yeah. live a bit and you're like you know what it doesn't have to be the whole movie for me it has well, to Blake, be that. you can relate the kids help right where it's like i'm watching mr peabody and sherman for the fourth time and i'm like you know there are moments in this fucking movie. You know, you're just well, like, it's, it's, like, it's, you know. like, or it's like picking the shows my kids are allowed to watch in the morning. My son's like, Dad, can I watch this? And I'm like, watch Gumball. 
And right. I'm like, because that that will like Yeah, watch Bluey. And, watch yeah. Watch Bluey any right. day. Bluey. Like Bluey. Bluey is an every day. I mean, I gift. think that's the best piece of Australian art oh, yeah. that's been created in the last decade. Hard but, to argue um, that, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you just gotta, you, you, you gotta find these morsels of things that you enjoy, um, in this. And I think I have a, the, I, I have another thesis, Uh-oh. um, the, Uh-oh. for the next film that we're going to discuss. Sure, so I want to sure. get to that. So oh, that good. we yeah, can let's get go. to let's pivot, let's pivot. So in the, in, in the between years, so that's a good year. Um, it, it is a good year. It's um, good. Now see his, his 07 is great. 310 yeah. to Yuma, American Gangster, oh. under, underrated movies, right? Yeah. Body He's of Lies. I don't know if 310 is underrated. I think people well, like I, it, I, would, it, I would say American Gangster is underrated. I like that movie. They're both a lot. I think they're both yeah. like very very good, yeah. right? And I think mm. yeah, it's a you know, virtu- obviously... virtuosity reunion obviously. Yeah, Crow and yeah. Crow and 100%. Denzel, yeah. uh, All you virtuosity heads out there. You were you were waiting which, for it. Which how weird is it that Denzel's in Gladiator 2? Right? Oh, that's love just so it. I love it. funny. I love that because so Crows weird. and Gladiator One. Yeah. It's so weird. It's the best. Anyway, Body of Lies the next year kind of works, kind of doesn't. It's a weird movie. It's Ridley Scott. Um, we covered it on our Leonardo DiCaprio episode. Yes, we did. Yep. So Tenderness kind of didn't really get released. Weird movie uh, with him and John Foster. Kind of a cop thriller. State of play. Underrated movie, though. I underrated. think kind of kind of fits into your theory. That's, he's that's he's. he's he, yeah, that's he. He is the exceptional old head. He's exceptional. Yeah. He's out of time, so it still works. But I, lo- I, fucking, I love State of Play. I that was love that. It's movie. a good movie. Kevin watch the, watch yeah. that a lot. We didn't cover with, it on um, Ben Affleck. When, We're not covering it here. But maybe if we do a McAdams, maybe that's when I'll finally or, get or, us to or a Robin or a Robin Wright. Sure, yeah. that's when I'll get us Ooh, to finally yeah. talk about State of Play. But State Robin Wright. Rules. We're talking about Pippa Lee, which is a great movie. Um, uh. Anyway, Robin, who we talked about, and then that same year, 2010, we approach uh, our third movie, the Pittsburgh set, Pittsburgh shot, Paul Haggis opus, the next three days, uh, adapted and remade from the from the French film Anything for You, I believe, um, a couple years earlier. Um, Blake, tell us, what do you think about this movie? Give us the theory. We talk about scenes that are so important. There's mm-hmm. a moment in here where Russell Crowe's character meets an uh, a famous ex-prisoner played by Liam Neeson Agreed. who oh writes God, a book scene. about how to escape such, prison. Such, and kind of, such good casting. I, I love To it. give him the blueprint. <laughs> and I just love this about Haggis. I'm like, Haggis is so funny because it's like, who thought that Liam Neeson needed scarring up to be any yeah. tougher? And it's like, this is a convergence. Liam Neeson comes in the next three days and makes the next three days for the next 13 years. Like, well, here's Liam Neeson has done nothing except make that movie. Here's the thing with Haggis. Haggis is, and I mean this however you want to take it, <laughs> my man grew up writing on sitcoms, okay? That's how sure. he came yeah. up. So he is text, okay? There is yeah. no subtext okay wait you mean mean the director of crash doesn't know what subtext is haggis is like yo check this shit out i'm gonna tell you what the movie's about minute 19 32 (laughs) 47 54 right like when you any of these movies third person the next three days right 10th and wolf which isn't even him it's bobby morello but like any of these like post crash like the bond movies for fuck's sake that he wrote like he cannot help himself but be like let me tell you about the theme of this movie quantum of solace right which he wrote part of at least right that's the most like 
in your face, you know, like social, you know, Bond movie you're ever going to see. And I kind of like Quantum of Solace, but it's like he cannot help himself. Yeah. And so like the no. next three days has so many I, scenes and I like that movie, but it's so of, funny. It's I, like, I mentioned this about Neeson's appearance, but Neeson shows up. Such he's, a funny he's scene. He's got though. a scar on his fucking face. A scar? He's got a, <laughs> no, no, I, I fucking love it. He's got a scar on his face. He's got a fucking like a newsboy, little... a newsboy cap. Oh, and so I, good. At one point I like wrote this down. I was like, he, he like walks into the movie and his name should be like Jimmy jailbreak. Like it should be yeah. like, it's just so some, like, he should be funny. chopping on a cigar, like do you know, like. But like, Dude, the that's Liam Neeson and Russell Crowe converge here, and Liam Neeson. Then, like, I'm I'm sure that like whether it's like Black Black Light, like all these Liam Neeson movies yeah, that yeah, have come yeah. out since, it's like they're all the next three days. Like yeah. I yeah. can't distinguish them from the next three days, as in he's made this same kind of propulsive plot driven like pulp airport pulp thriller movie yeah right. non-stop basically from the moment that he stumbles into this with his newsboy right. cap and yeah. his scar he just makes this fucking movie over and over again and russell crowe like comes into this movie and it's it's the same good year problem. It's like, can I be the every man that right. is not exceptional? Yes. Yeah. And you're like, that's not you, bro. Like, it's just not. And I feel so bad. Do you think it's, uh, here's a question. Do you think this movie's better? I just for the record, I, I like this movie. I think it's a, like a pre, I think it's kind of a cool version. It's a programmer, right? Of the thing yeah. of like, towards it, the back end to the last hour. I'm right. If we're talking, in, if we're talking about like the last 45 is pretty good. Yeah, I would put yeah. it in the same. I like, it's this weird contemporary canon, And I was mentioning this to you, Dan, that like, I don't know. I feel like I've collected in my head of like, 21st century Peter Yates movies, you know, like just this, like, so you have like the first Jack Reacher, you have the lookout, you have uh, a far superior Pittsburgh movie. Yeah. No, no, no. A hundred percent. Which I literally watched like two nights ago. And I was like, (laughs) Oh, Jack Reacher. This movie couldn't be better. It's great. It's great. But I guess I'm just saying like, like movies like walk among the tombstones, which I also really like, like just these very friends of Eddie Coyle, you know, children. Right. And, um, I, I'd be curious to maybe ponder if Neeson is the crow character and crow gets the fun cameo. Is it a better movie? If Neeson, if Neeson is the one, it is. Yeah. even if uh, is Neeson because it's funny because older it, what how like because, what's the yeah he's, yeah, older. he's older I think he's yeah, a bit older so, maybe, so this but, is what's funny about Blake's theory and not to we don't need to go fully down the rabbit hole but Neeson is almost the opposite of the crow theory because I think Neeson excels when he is the everyman yeah right Blake do you do you agree with me Blake Cause, yeah because hundred percent because think like about Sh- it because Schindler's is his best and he's not exceptional that's, that's what I'm saying so role. Schindler's obviously an incredible movie incredible performance right really his breakout in many ways he'd been around for a long time but like i think yeah it's interesting how and even love actually like people love that because he's the wounded rob roy same basically same year right around the same year as schindler kind of an underrated you know the other scottish irish move you know i think he's scottish right rob roy's scottish yeah it's the other um it's you know wasn't Braveheart famously at the time, but probably is a better movie than Braveheart if we're being honest. I, um, I did definitely. 
Rob, but the Rob Roy character is not William Wallace, right? Yeah. I think that's the whole point of the Rob Roy character, right? It's like it's a it's lyrical, it's homegrown. It's, it's why you know. Neeson is a good Marlowe. Well, that's what I'm. Yes, yes. this is yeah. my yes. This is yeah. I was leading to that. Yeah, which Sorry, is like I didn't mean to... <laughs> no, 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 no. But but my point is, you know, Mar Marlowe, the Neil Jordan movie that just came out, which good, is kind good. of been like now kind imagine of now imagine maligned, Russell Crowe so, you know, with but, a shaved head. With the sort of hint of tattoos all the way up to his neck, a la Rumper Stumper, walking in and giving his gruff delivery yeah. of the blueprint of how to escape from prison, you would believe it instantaneously. 100%. Yeah. You would just yeah. go, yep. Yeah. That's yeah, this, it. Really... this guy. Yeah. That's so Stop it's interesting. trying to not be Eastwood. Like Russell's yeah. Eastwood. Like he right. has to be exceptional. exceptional. Yeah. yeah. That's it's a great. Exceptional or death. Yeah. And, and it's so funny because I keep trying to think of things to like, to like, to poke holes and i frankly it's hard like because i think <laughs> i think you're pretty right because it's like yeah. the man yeah. makes 180 episode long podcast well, that's my about i mean why would i even try why would i even try no i need to no no i this is my favorite my favorite thing is um my favorite thing in the world is talking to people like you guys um, about movies, but I do think deeply because I like, that's, that's the thing that I've just had to unlock with master and commander. I'm like, yeah. why the fuck is this so what, good? Yeah. What's, so the, perfect. what's the clockwork inside that makes this thing? Well, I know why does too... my internal mechanism. Every time he walks on screen, I'm just like this, like yeah, saluting. Sure. I'm like, yes, captain. <laughs> like, so what's funny anything. too, and this is so interesting because with crow, and I suppose the theory maybe starts when he becomes a star because you could argue the sum of us is a counter, but he's so young, it's almost a different mode. But like, but what's interesting too about Crow that kind of fits into your theory is like, you know, and Connor, you mentioned this all the time, competency porn, right, is what yes. you call it, yeah. right? Uh, That's why I like this movie, by the way, Next Three Sure. Day. It's like, it's got sure. that. Once it gets into the methodical stuff of him trying sure. to- Sure, which I think the back half, yeah. the last hour, yeah. it, really, it really pops in. But I think- What's one of the many things about Master and Commander that I think is so, you know, masterful, pardon the pun, is like, um, it's about process, right? Yeah. I think what's so cool about and that movie is so and, good and, at and, their jobs. And Blake, you kind of, and <laughs> yeah. you kind of mentioned it where like they, you know, Weir and, uh, and, um, and everybody involved with the, the picture, they do not offer a lot of exposition on purpose, right? So like when that yeah. movie starts, you're just with, you're with the ship. Right. And they're in it. They're on the ocean. Right. Oceans are battlefields, all that stuff. Right. That's and, enough. <laughs> and what you realize is like, you know, we need that. We need that meme, you know, where people cheer. Like, we, you know, you need that. Oceans are battlefields. Yes. Honestly, but I think I every have, time I have like an After Effects template for oh that. Oh my meme, god! Please, please, do it, please do it. make you it for me it. as a I'm present tonight. A little present. present. Oh, a little, that would just be a little, such a good just present. Just a little present. <laughs> just a little I, well, present. No, it's funny. It's it, this is a weird way to tie the two together. And, but like, and for Dan, and for Dan, <laughs> make the one where it's like, is that your little car? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that yes. your little car? I did make one. I think I posted it on the B side Twitter. I made one when when we did Penelope Cruz, and it's the scene. Oh, from, the mandolin! Yeah, it's the scene from Penelope Corelli's mandolin. And so John, why don't you play your yeah, mandolin? John, John comes out and goes, Captain Corelli. I think it's time for you to play the mandolin, and then they all cheer. Um, 
anyway, <laughs> no, but my point, my yes. point is to, to the point of exceptionalism with Crow, right? As we, as we kind of extrapolate this theory, I think it fits within this, what I'm talking about, which is like this competency point, which is like, you know, gladiator, right? Mm. Whatever, you know, fucking, uh, you know, master commander, these films, right? Where it's like, and look, Dan, no, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a movie into the mix, please. which I know both of you love. Cause we've talked about it. Mm. I, I think online and together before, if this was 93 and it was Harrison Ford in the Russell Crowe role, a la The Fugitive, sure. Oh, this sure. would be oh, a yeah. fucking, like, and, and it like even got, just it get the married. nominated for Best Picture. It would have, like, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, like, yeah. because I believe Harrison Ford is a guy who's a teacher and a downtrodden dad, and yeah. he can play an everyman. Um, and Harrison Ford's everyman quality, like that carpenter nature of him like that you know tactile working with your hands that relatability makes every one of his characters so massive and you know what's interesting is is ford is the opposite of crow in that regard because yes. like I similar do, similar yeah, Neeson similar in that Neeson. Way. like yeah. ford it, not that like look i mean obviously like i i love ford in air force one and he's the fighting president in that movie right but like Maybe that. Yeah, but the point of that, the point of Jim Marshall is that he like shouldn't be the no, pre- sure, right. Like sure. he's right, right, right. He's like he's like your George but Bush friend my, without all the killing the of closest, terrible innocent people. That would be the closest thing you could come to him in some kind of a Jack Aubrey or Maximus thing, right? Yeah. But like with Ford, all of his greatest roles are people who are punching up. Like they're all yes. even they're even all though the, people who I are will, put upon, right? I like, will say Ali Fox though, right, is an interesting hybrid because he is a genius, but also nobody cares about him, right? From Mosquito Coast. Oh the, yeah, yeah. Mos- but, Mosquito but Coast himself, is the he's so out of his depth in that movie, right? Like, yeah, right and that's right. why it works because you're you're looking at this guy. Yeah, he's talking all this high. Yes, yeah. I mean the, he has. He is so good in that movie. Speaking of Peter Weir, my God, that movie. That movie is so good. Helen Mirren on the boat might be like... Another one for the After Effects template. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) But she starts freaking Um, out. um, But no, that that knife's edge of putting this guy who's saying all this stuff that really resonates and, like, captures your imagination, but putting him... Like watching all of his bewildered family around him in these absolutely heinous situations, it's that contrast where you're like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. This movie just he, Peter Wee gets it. it man. He's, it's an, he's and a it's true because like in in the next three days, right? Like, which just quickly is he's a teacher in Pittsburgh. His wife has been tried and convicted of murder. He doesn't believe she did it, and he basically through a slow burn thriller framework devises a plan to try to uh escape her from prison that's the movie right and, um, and it's, yeah. it's 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 kind it's, of anything a, for her is the french is the movie french by guame yeah. lamont yeah. So. yeah and it's kind of a I, what i like about this movie a lot structurally is that if you don't necessarily know what you're getting into it starts there's this sort of it, and it skips the procedural part right which i love which is that a, it does it's that. such a it's such so a, smart perfect yeah. choice like she just is in jail She's like it's like jail. so good and that so they it do does that. Yeah. it does this nice i think the worst thing the can movie- i just tell you something real quick yeah. in anything for her you know who the crow character is it's so perfect who is it he should have just been in the remake vincent lindon 
Oh my god! Isn't that like? Are you just like? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah! I get why it yeah. worked the first and time. That's this movie's crying out for every man because yeah, yeah. Lindon is perfect for that. Yeah. When you see Dennehy oh, in this movie, Dennehy. oh man, you, crushes he's so good. Yeah. and then the perfect. other character, um, Daniel Stern. Yeah, perfect. Fucking knocks Perfect. it out this of the is park. The, this is the sneaky Peter Yatesy thing about the movie that I that I like a lot. There is about one it. performance that does not work. I think we can all. I mean, look, it's okay. You know, I'm she sure directs. She directs it, now. Oh sure. Look, yeah, it's okay. Lizzie, but, so, yeah. but I wrote no, no, no. Down, I'm not I'm, talking about. No, hang on. I'm not talking about Liz Banks. Oh, That's the funny. Other one oh. who directs now, right? Oh. Think about it. Who's yeah, the other one who directs yeah. now? Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. Oh, yes. Olivia Wilde. Yeah. I was. It's yeah, okay. That's, yeah. It's okay. Yes. I would. That's, I, would I mean, granted, she's not. I mean, it's whatever. It's, she's like a she spent, she yeah. spent ten years playing the honey trap. It made sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The 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 one with Liz Banks. I, I wrote down one of my first notes was like, man, could Haggis have helped her out a little bit? Like he gives her a Hillary Clinton wig yeah. to yeah. start the movie, which I think is she, bad. I think she. She punches above her weight. Like that character is is a nightmare, in my opinion. It's a right? nightmare, yeah. and I it's think a she does uh, as good well, as she can do. It doesn't you know? help I, that I, I guess that's the thing. It's the it. She almost is the lamb that gets sacrificed on the altar of the of the fascinating structure of this which movie. Which is, I mean, look to the Peter Yates the stuff, point is a is a very seventies yes, you know yeah, thing. Yeah. Right? And all Not of to be, the you know. all of the stuff that would set her up in a way that I think would feel fulfilling as a character is the procedural stuff that does not exist. Right? Like, sure. So and, and it's also, you know, I think it's also about framing. Like one of my favorite reactions. I thought you were going to say friends, like just thematically. No. I think it's also no. about no. friends. <laughs> it's also about, this show is also about friendship. I mean, show what is I was, definitely about friendship. Yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say is it's also about framing. Like help your actor give the most profound performance. Like there's a moment where she finds out that her appeal is basically Nixed yeah, she'll and, be there really forever. Is, yeah, she's going to be there forever, and it basically accelerates um the, the motivation for the Russell Crowe character to to bust her out and like figure out how it's going to do it's it. It's what and, motivates you know, the next three days. It's yeah, literally if exactly yeah. if you will Ex exactly. Yeah. Um, and but there's a moment where she reacts to that, and she has to kind of break down, and the camera and the lighting is so unforgiving. Yeah, and I'm just like she doesn't need to. She doesn't. I think the, that's the camera TV, doesn't need to be there. TV haggis, right? I think that's it's what it TV, is. It you, is. I mean, you and don't it's, think it's a it's, deliberate it's, choice though, because he's like mm. illustrating a person who's literally been like rotting. In prison. I don't know because it, so much of Haggis's stuff. I don't, you know, not to whatever, but like he, you know, he's inefficient. I, look, I, I don't want to like. The I mean, I'm gonna be so unfair. I'm gonna be so unfair. Okay, with this comparison, but just a mat. Just imagine Faye Dunaway when Mr. Gitz yeah, yeah. Yeah, in sure. Chinatown says, I saw your father today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And watch what she's yeah, topless in a bed and watch what that woman does with her hands and her body. And it's a contortion act that says absolutely everything that you could ever possibly need to know about the perverse relationship that they have without ever being explicit to it you're sort it's like it does not bury the lead it tells you that something really drastic and messed up has happened and just the framing of the her on a sort of side yeah. profile comfort luring you into that upswing is so great and here poor lizzie banks just has to sit there like front on with the camera 
and do this breakdown. And it just like, it's like, this is not fair. Like she's not, it, she's just got to sit there and like break down and Crow gets the nicer framing and the less work yeah. to do in that scene. And she has to go to town. It's so hard. And we look, we talk about this in with modern movies and we reference Netflix and the whole aesthetic. I mean, I think, slowly and slowly and slowly and now faster and faster and faster like i think we've forgotten about shadows right like not not to put too <laughs> fine a point on it but like <laughs> yes i, I do we think did. in this digital age right um and look we we tangent you know look me and connor tangentially work in this world and you know it's more of a commercial element but like you know people forget about shadows like people forget about negative space it's just i'm just being honest yeah. like and i think yeah. you know when when things feel slight and perhaps you know unimportant right um when you're watching them on a streaming service sometimes i would wager there is not enough sculpting of light right because well, yeah. it's, you know it's it's it's, it's a pixelation it's more than that. thing it's, it's, it's blocking a, you know, it's it, there's well, a lot too, there's yeah. a lot i mean we just as I, well i guess this will come out after so when, when we had richard dreyfus on the show he Ooh. he brought up he brought up an in, we had a whole discussion and like we said to, and here's the thing we said to Richard we like we got to keep this quick because we have Blake coming yeah, up next yeah. so it was a very, we were like he was he was look, very relaxed uh, yes yeah, but no but it, it we I we, know you're in jaws and close <laughs> encounters but I we, have an Australian podcaster yeah. to speak it's to, like look you know. we've all seen Daughter of the Wolf Richard <laughs> okay <laughs> but we have to keep it moving Krippendorf right, uh, so. <laughs> We <laughs> it's good this is coming out and, after because that's yeah, already out. Yeah, 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 it doesn't matter. I can't do anything about it. Um no no no, but he just he goes on, you know, we talk on that episode about like he worked on a movie where the director didn't know where to put the camera and it fucked yes. and it fucked up all the eye lines, right? Yes. And yes. it was a movie, it's a it was uh why can't let it ride is the let movie. it ride. Let and it I ride. had mentioned yeah. to him like act I was like, hey, like I know you're not happy with it, but I actually really liked the movie. Yeah, like, rules. But anyway, yeah. point being, he he kind of said, like, you know, it's funny. That's great. That he was like, it's great you liked it, whatever, but like you felt like you weren't allowed to laugh, and maybe you didn't know why, and maybe it's secretly this thing, right? Yes. And I think, Dan, sorry, just to bring it all back to your point, no, no. Yeah. that's that's I think what happens with a lot of this kind of filmmaking sometimes is when you when you lose those arts, the art of blocking the art of lensing and lighting and all these and framing, right? Like all these things. If when Dante Spinotti can be a cinematographer, right. And it doesn't, and your movie looks like a bag of shit. There's yeah. a problem. Sure. There's right. a real right. big problem. Right. Right. And part of that, I mean, love Dante, but part of that's his fault too. Right. Like it's, yeah, yeah it's, you know, it falls on him too. But anyway, point being, yeah, there's, I will say there is like a, unspoken textural element like missing from this movie which is you know to your point earlier blake maybe it's why in this like new peter yates canon a jack reacher is is a cut above right Talk like to you, you know yeah. um and yeah I, but i think to me this is a movie that like it has those very very simple mid-saturday afternoon pleasures um that I yeah. would, that I think I would encourage anybody to, uh, and I think to watch. What, so you know, and so what's interesting is so with this film, right? It kind of comes out under reforms, as we said, and I think kind of spells the official, you know, unofficial slash official end of like 
Russell Crowe movie star, right? Because it's the Robin one, Hood, yeah, one two punch. Ro- Robin Hood yeah. next two days, twenty ten. It's kind of done. He he obviously the man with the iron fists. A couple years later, he's in Les Mis. Um, it's obviously it's you know he's Javert, so it's like the third lead. Gets a lot of shit, which I think is to this day incredibly unfair because I think he actually look. I, I look. I know I'm in the minority, but I'm gonna live on this hill till I die. I think he fucking crushes in that movie. I think he's got the rock and roll voice, and I actually love his performances of there. Yeah, it's it, it, like it's I think small, he's great. It's smaller. Actually. It's smaller than two massive performances in it. It's a good movie. Yeah, I like it's that a good movie. movie. I it was a very weird, you know, it was a monster hit. You know, weirdly, Crow took the brunt of it because it's like you have. You know, you have Anne Hathaway and Hugh Jackman who have these big theater, you know, yeah. voices. And, you know, Crow has a very kind of you, you know, it's like a Peter Frampton, you know, he's like he's in a pocket of a rock and roll. Thing. Oh, my God. I just forgot this. Was there a Russell Crowe song in a good year? Uh, oh, oh, like wait, in the soundtrack? Wait, you mean? It must be. I think one of the last must songs give me, give is me, a Russell Crowe song. Give me, give me five seconds. But so as Connor, I, looks, I, as Connor looks it yeah. up, so then right after this, what you have is character actor Crow, right? Broken City, he's the villain mayor. Man yeah. of Steel, he's Jor-El. Winter's Tell, he's the villain Pearly Soames. Noah, he is the lead. It was a hit. He is Noah, which God bless. Namesake Crowa. of my son. Crowa, as we call it. Name, <laughs> young, young Noah Mecca. May you watch that movie one day. What do you think of <laughs> Noah? You, what do you think of Noah, Blake? Uh, I, it's like all Aronofsky films. I don't like all of it, but the bits that I like, I really love. Yeah, and I, I, do. I, I had I had a lot of time. I yeah. actually have probably more time for Noah than I do even Mother. Sure, um, sure. And, and I was, and I would say, if you're gonna do a biblical um, allegory, just do it straight. Just tell me about it. Yeah, like, tell, go, go, go hard. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was the one with Hugh Jackman? Sorry, it's just this names escaping me. The Aronofsky. Oh, the fountain, oh, the the fountain, fountain is fucking out of this world. Yeah, love right? the fountain. Love the I wasn't fountain. sure what you were gonna oh, say when you paused. I wasn't sure. What you For were me, can say, I tell you? I, yeah. <laughs> I love the fountain. Yeah. Oh same, my god. Same. I do not see a Russell Crowe song. Um, okay. At least not. Okay. not what on, about thirty odd? What about thirty I, odd foot of grunts? I don't see thirty odd foot of grunts out of here. Either. No toe fog. Okay, cool. Um, gotcha. The, it's it's a fifteen track soundtrack. Uh, we got some Harry Nilsson. But so that same year, <laughs> Patty right? Page. We mentioned it before he, or maybe before he started recording, he directs his first movie, The Water Diviner, which is a flawed movie, kind of an interesting World War One movie, you know, kind of Peter Weir light, if you will. And then um, we actually talked about Fathers and Daughters, which is not a good movie, the Gabriel Machino movie he's in in 2015. But then in 2016, he is a co-lead in The Nice Guys. He is great in it. Oh, what a fantastic. fucking great movie that movie great. is. You know, uh, sadly shit, underperforms. Um, it could have, you know, we, I feel like if people didn't like it as much, I would have picked it as one of our B-sides. But he's people, probably the most exciting it. presence in, you know, the flawed mummy movie with Cruz, which we've talked about. That's I do like true. his scenes. No. You know, Boy Erased comes and goes. It's an okay performance. He's in True History of the Kelly Gang. I, a movie I don't love, though I do think is super, uh, you know, I, Blake. He's great uh, in it. Yeah, how do He's you great. land on where do you where do you land on that Kelly I, I've gang come, movie? I've, I've come to love it. The first time it was kind of kind of hit me for six because I wasn't expecting it, but I do love Justin Kurzel. Um, I think sure. he's a really good filmmaker, yeah. and so I I I came to really warm to that because that was 
Crow just understood the assignment as far as him. He just has to come in. Well, and, and for be those who don't know, Ned character. Kelly is like the Robin Hood of Australia, right? Very yeah. simply, very to, reductive. To, to put but, it that way, yeah. Very, yeah, yeah. very. Yeah. But that's essentially he's a he's a folk a folk, folk hero, hero Ar- yeah. Irish migrant who battles against you know. British colonialism in, in this country yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, was marginalized and sort of famously had a last stand at the uh, the Glen Rowan Inn, which is in northern New South Wales in the state that I live, where basically he dressed up in like a complete body armor suit, body armor. And, and they've went tried and took on it. Cops. And what's fascinating about Ned Kelly, they've, they've tried it a few times. Like Mick Jagger, Orlando Bloom, and then and then the most uh, recent. Oh, well, you know, Heath, Le- Heath, Heath Ledger. Heath, 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 sorry, Heath Ledger. Or, yeah. Orlando, Orlando Bloom was in, was part of the Kelly game. He, who was Orlando yeah. Bloom in that movie? He was just he's, like, uh, he's one like of the, the other guys. guy. One right? of the members of the gang, yeah. Right, right. So Heath, sorry, Heath is Ned, but Mick, Mick is Ned, and then um, – and then kind of the Kurtzel movies, even more of an ensemble. Um, and it's but... and it's an avant-garde telling of that story. It's like um, trying to capture the rock star myth, really, and just yeah. has no wedded, no, nothing, nothing wedded to reality. Yeah, it's, and, uh, and George it's McKay is is, is George the, McKay is rules. The Ned in yeah, that. He's, he's very great. Good he's really good. And then look, COVID happens, right? And we're all inside, and we're like, look, what are we gonna do? Right? Drive-ins come back in a big way. We're all figuring out a way to, you know, you know, get our rocks off, get entertained, do something. And a little movie comes out from Solstice Studios, which I literally think is <laughs> made two movies and is now not around anymore. <laughs> and um And they were like, that I movie hope you is... don't like things on hinges. Cause <laughs> baby. There is not a hinge to be found. No hinge in the area. No and hinges. so this movie Unhinged, which is essentially um Russell Crowe plays an absolute fucking psychopath, and he murders it's like a his, shitload of people. Fall, it's his falling no, down. But here's of. the hang on. Here's the thing, though. It was sold as his falling down, but unhinged is way more gnarly and fucked I'm not, up. No, I'm just than saying, just the ter- just like sort of a. I guess what doesn't help this movie is he has already. We don't get to see him flip. Right. Well, like, that's what I yeah, mean. Yeah, no flip. He's, yeah, but, he's, he's but already maybe, off the hinge. And I'm not even trying to make a joke here, but he is already like off the hinges. What I think the, is in interesting. The first scene of the movie. <laughs> so the movie had a moment in that summer, right, where I mentioned the grindhouse element. I really, I, I do believe that. Like it was this thing of like. Yeah. No, it's like you got to go back to the theater. It was one of the first theater movies that came back was Unhinged and Russell Crowe. And like he he did actually, he's he, for a guy, he does only the biggest, biggest media in the world yeah. um, these days. And and he came out and went on tour and was like finally talking about, you know, yeah. I just got to play a psychopath and choose scenery. It was a ball. Like he was like, I had a great time just being an utter psychopath and like have all my COVID weight and just go yeah. ham for like an hour and a half. And it's a perfect, like it's a 90 minute movie. It's like a tight 90. It's yeah. f- so dopey. And you're like, I'm in like right from the beginning. I don't need a hint. It's like, like a true, me I mean, it's a true <laughs> horror movie formula because you do get to watch the protagonist make like, I could can I say I could have used one hinge. Uh, let me just <laughs> let me just play devil's advocate. So Brittany said the let same me thing. Be, let she, me be Kevin Lomax. She went to bed at one I point. Like I, I was watching it the other night. She's like, I'm gonna go to bed. This is like too much for me. <laughs> like it was like my wife, my wife left and I'm like, You missed the scissors to the eye. Yeah, like you got right. you missed yeah, the revenge. She's like, it got darker and darker and darker and darker. And she's like, I can't yeah, anymore. I'm like, no, 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 wait. You're, it, he's so bad, it's it's only gonna end badly. He's so unhinged, you don't even 
even get yeah, it. Yeah, and it's come not, on, babe. I mean, plot, there babe, is no, come there, back, babe. There isn't a crazy amount of plot to speak of. Basically, um, Crow. It's a road rage stuff road goes, rage. that goes Crow, wrong. Crow yeah, doesn't even a, have a name in the movie, by the way. And uh, Karen Pistorius plays, uh, what is her name in the movie? Rachel. Rachel, of course. Yeah, yeah just the most generic name possible. Um, yeah, put upon mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's yeah. she's trying to keep it all together. She's in the midst of a divorce. Uh, classic, she's, classic. You know, she's got her uh, younger brother living with her. Um, and their mom is in like an old folks home basically. And her son is having a hard time with the divorce. Yeah. You know, she's got a lot going on. She's stressed out. Okay. Karen is stressed. Karen's slash, having a hard time. Slash Not even Rachel. Any, yeah. Poor, poor Karen slash Rachel is also quite unhinged. You know, yes. she's just, yeah, yeah. she's, she's uh, searching for a hinge. And I will say I, what I like about the inciting incident in this movie is I do think she is just shitty enough to him in their exchange on the road, right? So basically they have a road rage incident and it then just escalates and escalates and escalates because Russell Crowe is unhinged, right? So, but the initial incident where she honks at him and he's not moving at the red light and then he pulls up beside her, the kid rolls down the window, dumb, but whatever, <laughs> Russell Crowe rolls down the window and he's and he's talking, you know, and then and then and he, yeah, he says he's like, you know, he's kind of giving her shit. And he's like, just apologize, whatever. And the thing about the movie is I do actually believe in that one specific moment. If she did earnestly, she could have done him a courtesy. If she yeah. did earnestly go, yeah, you know what? I'm having a bad day. I'm sorry. He and I know he's unhinged, but I do actually think there would be no movie, right? <laughs> yeah, and so, he'd just go, he'd go, oh, cool, thanks. I'm hinged now. I'm already a wanted murderer. Right, right, right. Yes, an that, arsonist. And that, that's that's and, what I was speaking to before. When the movie the movie starts with him murdering his ex wife and her new husband, I suppose you don't yeah, really Bo, know, whatever, but yeah, yeah. And he like beats them with a hammer and he lights the house on fire, and it's all off screen, so it's almost like extra horrifying. Um, while that happens. So that's his introduction, right? So he's out and out of here from minute one, right? He's unhinged. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. It's called unhinged, not out of here. My bad. Um, but yeah, I, it's that incident I think is actually really deftly handled because she is kind of so unnecessarily shitty back to him in that moment but oh so all, you're saying it's oh so you're saying it's her fault connor no, 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 yeah, she I'm, deserved no, it oh so it's is, her fault what I'm oh, really is, nice really yeah, nice I don't bro. Know, what i'm saying is she's really well rendered in a few very brief scenes because Blake, it, he's doubling because, down Blake. i know i'm saying it makes <laughs> it makes perfect sense for her to react no, but like it's that. actually That's like it's, it's like no it's, it's good like, it's it feels good. like a very justified human reaction to be like you're being a like right now, I might have been a dick, and I am being a dick. Like but she's still. If you are it, genuinely yeah. the bigger person, you're gonna go look. I'm sorry. It's all good. Yeah. You know. I apologize. Well, yeah. Connor can, and it's funny. Connor can attest to this. You know, when we lived and worked, I, when we both lived and worked in New York, I would often drive trucks for our sure. job back yes. in the day. Yeah. And I had a tendency in my worst, mo my my not good moments in in the New York City. You know, traffic parlance. It brings the worst out of you. Yeah. yeah. I certainly would get mad. Right. Well, and I remember specifically a couple of times yeah. I would, I would 
yell at people or like or or at you know what I mean like adjacent and then one you would guy chase them down then you well, would no, no. ruin their life do you remember this you... do you remember this Connor we were turning yeah. a vehicle and a guy I I was in the wrong like I yeah. got mad at yeah. somebody I said something they heard me they parked the car next to us and they're like yo what's your problem and I remember I was like I am so sorry that's yeah. my bad and and I would like to say it was because I'm like a courteous person at heart, but in truth, I think it's more because when you live in a metropolis, yeah, you're like I have what, that what thought of like happen? you know I don't want yeah. this fucking person to like I'll never forget I was in a car, and I didn't do anything I was driving, but the dude, the the passenger in my mm. car, we got cut off going into the Holland Tunnel, and the passenger this fucking production assistant flipped the bird to this guy. The dude parked his car, got out, and walked up to our car and, like, was two shakes away from, like, opening my door and starting it. And that's, like, such a New York, you know, name a city thing. And I literally had to be like, my guy, we're sorry. He apologized. Like, I was very much, like... Full negotiator starring yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Spacey, my you know, and, and <laughs> Sam Jackson. Point being, like, she all she needed to do to your point, Connor. Yeah. You, you never know when someone's a psychopath. Yeah, killer, but that, I suppose that's why I kind of right? like. Yeah. I think the inciting incident of the movie is really well rendered, especially because it is such a like, especially in the moment, like it's the one only moment in the movie where Crow is right. Cause they're sitting at the yeah. light and she leans on the horn like three yeah. times and crow does the, you know, when he then rolls down his window and, uh, you know, engages her, he goes, you didn't give me the, uh, you didn't give me the courtesy tap. And it's like, and, and he does the little, yeah, and, and it's like, actually he's, everyone knows the courtesy tap. Like everyone knows give, the courtesy, give the courtesy tap. tap. Like he's right. Uh, if we can extend, you're allowed that. to do. You're allowed <laughs> to do the extended beep if you've already given yes, the courtesy exactly. tap. And because I have that, I've had that in Oz many times. So like people, I've watched someone like sure. someone driving in front of me. They're driving like a bit of a loon, and I'm like, what the hell is this person doing? Yeah. And especially having the kids in the car, it's also like you back off yeah. big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then I pulled next to them. And it was just someone who was on their phone. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, this person's driving me insane. But I had to keep it chill because I was with the kiddos. Yeah. And then they pull in front of me again. And again, we don't move. And I go, beep, beep, beep. Yeah, you give the courtesy, like, you courtesy, give the courtesy tap. Yeah, courtesy and then tap. again, they did it. And I was like, eh. <laughs> and then I was driving past and I'm looking at them like, and Come then, on, man. and then they stole your phone, and they killed your lawyer friend. Uh, no, and no, your life. No, 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 no one's, no one's been real. Yeah, like, and just from there, you know, it uh, the movie escalates and it gets insane, and that's part of its charm. I would say, like, none of it makes any sense, and it's all very silly. I, Can I say one thing that I do agree with you that it goes insane, but I do love sure, is sure. in so many movies where there is one specific incident. Like, especially if you're in a kind of normal sized town, yeah, you see that that happens and then all the cops flood to that one incident. I think that's something that really works for Unhinged is the idea that, that there are multiple incidents over the town. So you can imagine the police force or like someone who's in central is like, I've got a murder. I've got all my homicide yeah. detectives over here with a, a house And they're fire. in like a New Orleans suburb, you know, it's like, that's yeah. like where the movie takes place. Um, and they're like, yeah. and over here is, oh, holy shit. I've got a car accident where a cop was <laughs> yeah. decapitated. That, that. I've got a murder. That was gnarly. I, gnarly I, shit. I wrote, I only took one note in this movie. And the one note was that, just by a hair almost because crow i think does win it doesn't have a gigantic body count but crow wins the body count thing by a hair 
but he's almost tied with other drivers like yes so many people in this movie get obliterated <laughs> by people that are not russell crowe um, um which is now kind of we've funny. talked a lot about what happens on screen i want us to imagine how happy do you think the production crew was when they were like unhinged <laughs> you know like they were just like fuck yes great tight like someone put their pen yeah. down and was like I did it, guys. I did it. And so like, <laughs> unhinged. Slow clap. Yeah, slow clap. Unhinged. Scratched so good. it on the quill. It was just <laughs> like unhinged. So good. It's a. I think this character's unhinged. It's well, and it's a perfect like. I think you know we we mentioned before the pocket that he's in now, right? And I think he's he's in that place of like, you know, he's doing what maybe older actors do now, where they play into public perception of them. They play into so it's it is like a perfect he's perfectly cast like the and this is I, I had this thought while I was watching it like you could maybe take this as a slide take this however you want. This feels like this would be a Mel Gibson vehicle. Right. But it's a Russell Crowe vehicle instead. Right. Yeah, and, totally. I, and I think but, I think but that Russell Crowe's an exceptional he's an exceptional psychopath. That's what's good about him is that like he just turns on a dime and, and that's I, it. I say yeah. that more from the place of like that, you know, Gibson because of who he is as a person and in his career and whatever, like that's the angle he takes in a lot of things now is I just I just have to be mean. I have to be the bad guy. There has to be an edge to me. Right. Like that's just like part of it. Right. And so you could easily see this being. Uh, like a whatever a DTV uh, Mel Gibson vehicle but like I feel like the fact that it's Russell Crowe makes him an exceptional psychopath and just also adds this like undercurrent I don't feel bad for him ever but there no. is an undercurrent of sadness to the character and it's like in the weight it's in the like it's in a lot of it and I think uh, it's just fun to see him it, it watching this movie makes me excited for the Pope's Exorcist because sure. to your to your point earlier, Dan, it's like yeah, I don't know, I kind of love the this Vatican. For him. Yeah, yeah. call the Vatican if you have. I uh, like it, love that that trailer is so. It's funny. the Pope's Exorcist. It's the Vatican. Is Franco you need to Nero is the Pope, right? Well, a, I don't know if he's the Pope. Is he not just like another hang on. guy, a bishop or something? I'm gonna look it up because what the can if we it's get Franco a Jude, Nero? That's a sh can we can we get a Jude casting. Law cameo, a right. John Malkovich cameo? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, it's like we referenced earlier. It speaks to kind of where he's at in his career, which I think you know, look, something like the loudest voice, the Showtime show. He's playing Roger Ailes. I think. That's the pocket he's playing in, right? You know, a, a relatively just, like, well eat cake for the whole show, basically. Like, well, I think like... it's a relatively well celebrated performance, and that's yeah. obviously an exceptional type of a thing where you know, Ailes for all of his, you know, he was truly one of the worst people who ever lived, was exceptional in his creation of you know, one of the oh, greatest streamlined Nero hate is machines. The Pope, by the way, stop in, it. Yeah, which I love because in John Pope Wick, Nero. when John Wick two. Oh, I didn't even think about that, which is great. But in John Wick 2, when John Wick comes to Rome. So good. Franco Nero, who runs the Continental there, gets worried for a second. And he's like, the Pope? And he's like, no. And John's like, no. No. And he's, he's like, like okay. okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Because um, oh, I love that scene in Franco, with Franco Nero because he's like. He knows that John could get the Pope. Yes. No, no, no it's not he's even. Like, it's like, like, he's, like he's going to <laughs> take a business meeting. He's like, oh, you're going to kill the Pope? Uh, anyway. Um, sorry, Dan. Continue. 
No, no, no. That no. I just just speaking to that. You, we are to the larger Mahler and Brando kind of parallels. He's fully in his, you know. Let me voice a transformer. Let me, you know, endorse <laughs> yeah, some wine. Let me enjoy myself. And I and I have I mean, no he problem sold, with that at all. He got divorced. Sold all and, shit in an auction he, titled he, in the an, Art the of, art of divorce. divorce. Yeah, Amazing. one of the greatest things he's ever done, frankly. Chef, like, chef's, and, kiss. chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Yeah. Russ on the title. Um, but yeah, I I I would just love him to embrace the exceptional again at some point because also he's older, but that does not preclude him from being exceptional. It's just now that he can. You know, you want to see, I mean, he's got that great physicality. He had it for so much of his early career. People are sort of screaming for it. And it's just like, you just really want to see him kind of go back to that exceptional, right? Like that's, yeah. you know, we had um, on on our Miami Nice show, we've been doing a little bit of a digression into other man stuff. And we were doing collateral confessions and we had Stuart Beatty, the great writer of, yeah, uh, yeah. Of, I listened to that of, episode. Of, of, of collateral on. And he talked about, originally it being a Russell Crowe vehicle. And I was like, man, what you need to do is you need to make a prequel or you need to make another alternate called like collateral where it's just Russell Crowe as a guy named Vincent or code named Vincent right. um, Good idea. in San Francisco, like, which is what they talk about in collateral. I'm like, that's how you connect them together. And I'm like, I just don't think and that a, a, a different of, person could be Vincent every time. Oh, what a every, fucking good. That, that was my idea. pitch to Stuart Beatty. I'm like, go write that. It's yours. Um, but I was like, I would love to see Russell Crowe get back to that like fighting fit Russell to a certain extent. And I don't even mean like, I don't even mean like gladiator Maximus. I'm thinking like more like Bud White, like get back yeah. to like that burly every man, but that is exceptional and, and go for that. So I, I guess now, you know, we're, we're, unless we have more to say about unhinged, no, suppose, we're but, wrapping but, up. But now yeah, we're in yeah. the rapid phase and what we want to see him do next. I tweeted this as a joke, but I, then thought about it and now i mean it earnestly i would love for them to let ridley finish his alien prequel trilogy and for russ to be the star and for russ to be like the you know what idris elba was in prometheus like the ship either the ship's captain or whatever i just i want like a space station to be falling apart or something and russ just has to like go somewhere with a wrench and like fix something the way <laughs> only russ can do it or whatever you know like I, yeah something like that like i i a because i i feel like ridley and russ it's like one of the best it's it's yielded the best results of like any actor director combo certainly i would say in like this century um yeah. but uh yeah i don't know i i i i am excited that he's having fun and that's cool um but yeah i would like to see him at least get I, I agree with you, but, Blake. But but exceptional work takes an exceptional amount of prep and an exceptional amount of time. And, and me, just right. maybe he doesn't have the energy for that. Maybe anymore. he's you like, know, oh, like, I'm good. I'll drink good. my wine. I think he's going to give us one more great, at least one more great moment, and I'm excited for that. I can't, I can't, I can't say what it'll be. Um, poker, you know, for all we know, it's the Pope's. Too. Yeah, for for all we know, it'll be the Pope's <laughs> Exorcist. But I think this theory, Blake's theory, has really kind of thrown me for a loop, and I, I I'm so thankful Dan has for to it. Go consider his whole <laughs> to go, like, existence. Rewatch No Way Back and just yeah. considers the character of Zach Grant, FBI agent, really. <laughs> um, 
But no, this I is think... how you know a Dan Mekatex when he's when he screams in all caps Zach Grant and knows that I just love the idea knows it. Russell Crowe playing a character named Zach. Zach, Zach <laughs> is just to me so that's, antithetical. That, that's a it's great like, point. I feel like he's he's a it, he's got that Tom... like he plays court, like Court in yeah, the but... Quick and the Dead. Perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like yeah. you know, Zach is like the and it's Bud like the White. antithesis yeah, of Bud Tom White. Cruise. Yeah. Right. We always say like. Russell Crowe's got a voice that can exist in any age, right? Yes. Tom Cruise has the modern voice that sadly can't really travel, right? Like, yeah. you know, it just feels I very modern. I did want to ask you guys, I mean, I know we're making jokes about the Pope's exorcist and stuff. One of the, the things one of the things I will say, I know he has like cartoonish moments in certain movies. I do think I was thinking about this cuz I watched for the first time uh, and I guess we could also just shout out other little Russell Crowe movies we didn't talk about. But and I, I watched this today for the first time, actually. Mystery Alaska. Oh, yeah. Um, nice movie. Which I, movie. I yeah, I liked a lot. It's a lovely little movie. And I, one of the things I noticed about it, though, is he does really good accent work in it, I think, actually. And I started to realize I he's better at accent work than I think a lot of his contemporaries for the for the most part. Yeah, he doesn't do a generic and he's usually I mean, other than Gladiator, which is his like has splashes of the accent sort of going in and out. It's just like a massage generic accent. It's like a classical. Like, yeah. Yeah, like the but American Gangster, he's doing a fantastic yeah, he's really, yeah. East Coast and you accent. Rarely, he's, you rarely he's knocking he, it out of the park. You rarely hear it slip. You rarely Well like, Blanchett, I would think Blanchett's the only kind of transplant who's better, right? Yeah, I, I was thinking more in comparison to like other people who had the same kind of career as Crow and who took the same kind of roles. Like I, I think he's just a little more you know, I don't know. It it was something I noticed that I never asked actually really pondered that i thought was kind of interesting is that generally speaking he's pretty good with accents and i very good yeah very good um, master of accents russell crowe yeah <laughs> and command and a commander and of a commander accents of well. Ma- master and oh, commander master of accents. accents commander of languages russell, <laughs> russell, russell crowe blake just before as we kind of finish up just tell us again about everything you got going on just so we get it on the record here yeah, guys. Look, uh, one heat minute productions. So we got a Patreon which has exclusive content coming there. Like, I'm. There's a lot of stuff happening. So in the main feed, we have Miami Nice, which is happening every fortnight, basically, and that sort of pivots into Collateral Confessions. That's all God, our modern Fortnite, man stuff. What a gentleman saying Fortnite. Um, God bless you. Um, so has that. Um, we've got weekly coming up a limited series. Pod Thomas Anderson with our host Ethan Warren and a bunch of uh guests our first episode heart eight that features um uh isaac feldberg uh, jen johans and uh friend of all things at the film stage Corey everett um yeah. for heart eight is coming up very soon which is awesome um podcaster and commander continues the second episode of six i'm only going to do six episodes of this series i wanted it to be fire from uh woe to go with that one uh that's coming up very soon as well and um we're also doing audio essays i've got a great one from brandon stracing on um uh, mean guns which is coming up and then after that um which i haven't announced yet but we'll announce it on the show because it should have already announced by the time is uh my friend maria lewis coming back to do one on reign of fire oh. Oh. so 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 yeah. so we're trying to do <laughs> monthly one-offs on different movies maria did i think the definitive um sort of history uh, of that movie and we've got interviews with the filmmakers and stuff like that that, that, that be included movie, so the star wars scene in that cool. movie is perfect i talk yes. about that scene I mean that whole so, movie. I think is anyway. Sorry, we gotta get Mar- so, we gotta get Maria. On I know. Maria, we should reach out oh, to Maria. We should get her on gotta, here. 
Got to get her on. She's so great. But yeah, and then the other thing we're doing, I'm sort of kicking around and I'll talk to you guys about it later is we're doing a thing called The Decade Project, which um, I'm going back and just looking at movies that were from 2013. So we've already done, uh, we did Blue Ruin um, and had Jeremy Saulnier making Blair and Roxana Haddadi did that one. Right. Recently put one up in our main feed. They usually appear on our Patreon first because it's sort of first and foremost for our patrons, but then I bring them onto the main feed. Got um, one coming up on Mystery Road. Um, we've uh, done one on The Counselor and we've done one on Blue Ruin. So we've got lots more from 2013 that are going to be popping up. So oh, very yeah. excited about those. And then um, uh, recording at late May, so you guys can put your hands up, Jen Joannes and I from uh, Watch With Jen are collaborating on Midnight Run Through, which oh, is going to wow. be uh, Let's go, baby. Let's which go. Which is like 12 episodes on that. Uh, we're going to do together. It's going to appear on both feeds. We're going to tell my enjoy. I can tell my George Gallo story. He's a family friend, the guy who well, wrote that movie. There you go. They, that 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 will be on there. So I wanted to talk to you guys, but we've got a guest list shaping up. We went, we're going to be doing it with duos. So obviously this duo has been on our list to talk to. So I was putting them on the spot live, um, and yeah. So there are some people who have unfortunately passed away in that, you know, that created that movie. So um, we're going to do something that I've experimented with on other things, our, uh, which is we're going to have voice actors do their stuff. Oh, so, that's cool. Um, so so we're going to have, have a bit of that coming up as well. So we've already cast our Dennis Farina. Um, we've already, oh, that's uh, cool. so, um, so we're, we're just waiting on a couple of other things to come through and then Jen and I will work on that a little bit later in the year. And then I don't know what else other than our regular output, you know, well, physical Blake, media that's shows. That's as, if you, that, yeah, yeah, that's as if that wasn't enough. Such uh, a light, such a light load. <laughs> yeah, I know I kind of take it easy, you know. <laughs> at some point in there you'll raise children <laughs> every well yeah yeah you can you're doing it at, every, at some point every uh every other thing you said was like an elevator it was like it was a hype machine <laughs> i was more excited that's awesome um yeah yeah blake thanks for making the time to talk about crow man this is awesome and Bl- blake, um, where can people find the, oh yeah the well, pod yeah. and your stuff and one eight minute.com is has absolutely everything. We've got a beautifully refreshed bo- uh, website that uh, a friend of mine, Bowden Christie, helped redesign. So it's got like spots for all of our different shows and also some articles and some features and stuff that we knock up there now and then. Um, but yeah, I'm one Blake Minute on uh, Twitter and Instagram and OHM Pods um, uh, 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 everywhere else, basically. Um, but yeah, you can find us there. But it just one hit minute productions in the feed, and you'll just if you subscribe to the feed, you'll get it all. Um, uh, otherwise if you're more of a Spotify user, it's probably a little bit easier as far as a search function to like write a specific name of a show. Um, but iTunes, I find if you just go one hit minute productions, you'll find the whole feed and then go nuts. Love. Nice. And I'm always as ever, uh, DJ Mecca on Twitter, always at the film stage. If you're listening now, there's most likely an interview with Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, and Darsha Lehman for the guy, Richie's the covenant movie. Uh, which I did like and I reviewed as well and um, take a look at that. And then uh, Connor, as ever, over to you to wrap us up. Yeah, Blake, thank you again for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Uh, And yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Scruffy Look and you can find this podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Letterboxd at TFSB side. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review and subscribe. We, we, We love it when you do that. So... Uh, yeah, thanks again always to Adam Blotner for our theme music. And, you know, let's just put the the energy out there. We got Guy Pierce on the show. We're going to get Russ. We're going to get Russ because... I, I would just say, if you do, 
More power to you. <laughs> well, More power to gonna, you. We're going to get him because... Good luck. As, Good luck. As Kim Basinger has told us, some men get to guess on the B-side. <laughs> <laughs> and other men get ex-hookers and a trip to Bisbee. But Russ is the one who gets the trip. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, which is why... <laughs> I love it. And now you're listening to the B-side.